But I thought I'd do this instead. I'd make a statement. You are weary and heavy laden. You are someone who has labored and you are weary and you are weighed down. And I'm not asking you whether you are, I'm making a statement. You are that. And so the question would be, have you realized that you are weary, that you are heavy laden, that you have labored and you are weighed down? You might think in some sense, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm here at church this morning and I'm actually a little bit tired. You know, I've had a rough week. Work has been hard. Life is complicated. It's complex. I have a family. You may have children. You may have parents. You, you may have other people who depend on you. And you may feel like you're tired this morning. You may feel like you are weighed down. Like there is something oppressing you. And that may be very true. In fact, life is really complicated. I mean, 2020 was a year of complexity and complications, right? There was a lot going on. Um, and if I say to you, hey, did you see coronavirus coming? Did you see this natural disaster coming? Did you see a recession coming? Did you see this coming or that coming? Did you see this person's death coming? You might have said, no, it was all news to me and I was affected by it. I wasn't ready for it. And it may have worn you down. It may have grinded your gears. It might have made you tired. You may have felt the weight of all of that. You may have lost a job. You may know people who have lost a job. You might have known people who have died in recent times. And all of this becomes a bit much for us, right? You may well and truly be heavy laden, like there is a weight on you this morning. Um, and, I, you know, if, if I said to you, hey, come up with a solution for all of this stuff. I need it in 24 hours. You know, fix, fix coronavirus in 24 hours. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, I'll see you here at 10.30 tomorrow with, with the answer. I'll say, hey, look, all this, um, you know, the financial turmoil all around the world, poverty, whatever it is, bring me the answer tomorrow morning. I'll see you here in 24 hours. No, that would be something, that would be a tall order. That's a big ask. I don't think anyone here could, even if we all work together, we couldn't come tomorrow morning with a solution. In fact, the whole world hasn't even found a solution for all of these things. All of that stuff can weigh us down. And you may feel exhausted and tired because of that. In fact, there are good things that weigh us down, right? Like a lot of people who go on holiday, come back from holiday and think, man, I need a holiday. You know, I'm exhausted from my holiday. I found no rest in my holiday. I'm just weary and heavy laden from it. I need a holiday from my holiday. But there is something a bit deeper. There is something below that that I want us to get to and understand very carefully. Very true. All of those things do weigh us down. But there is something that weighs us down even more than that. In fact, it's weighed down every single person who has ever lived. It weighs down every person in every geographical context. It doesn't matter where you were born. This is something that applies to you. This is something that weighs you down. And it's a more difficult problem than all of the ones that I've presented. It would be much easier to solve the world's financial problems and difficulties, um, hatred around the world. It would be much easier to solve the coronavirus pandemic and any other virus that comes. Much easier to solve all of those things than the problem that I'm about to tell you now. All of those things, very serious, and I'm not playing them down at any, in any way. 
but use all of that to show you how big this problem is. And it's the problem of sin. Your sin. It's much easier to get the first man to Mars than it is to solve the problem of your sin. It's much easier to add a 25th, 25th hour to the day than it is to solve the problem of your sin. It's much easier to perform open heart surgery on yourself than it is to solve the problem that you have with your sin. And that's why I can say you are weary and heavy laden. Because there is something that holds you down and that oppresses you. There is a great weight upon you, whether you know it or not, that applies to everyone who has ever lived. That's why I didn't ask, are you weary or heavy laden? I know that everyone here has to be. Unless you are Jesus Christ, you are weary and heavy laden. And it's that reason that my question is not, are you? But in fact, do you realize that you are weary and heavy laden? When you think about what holds you down and what oppresses you, uh, what, is, what it is that makes you heavy laden, do you think about your sin? Because all of those problems that I mentioned beforehand, those are just symptoms of this thing. Our sin is really the cause of all of these things, right? They're, they're just reflections and um, symptoms of our sin. We live in a broken and sinful world. And so now I've presented you with the problem and um, we might ask, what is the solution? Well, I've, you see it there, right? Um, Jesus says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I want to talk this morning about why is it Jesus and nothing else that can offer this to us? Why is it Jesus and nothing else that can truly say, come to me and I will give you rest? Let's start with nothing else. Right at the start of, of this section here, he says, um, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Could you imagine if it were up to your wisdom and understanding to solve the problem of your sin? We can't solve everyday problems, let alone the greatest problem that has ever existed, the problem of sin. If it were up to your wisdom and understanding to solve this, oh friend, it would never be solved. If it were up to your wisdom and understanding to make it to heaven, you would never make it to heaven. There would be no entry for you. In fact, in, in Matthew 18 verse 3, he says, Unless you be like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And we see that reflected here. It's not revealed to the wise and understanding. It's not your wisdom and understanding that gets you there. It's not because you can depend on yourself that can get you there. It's if you become like a child. Nothing else but Jesus can offer you this rest. Nothing. Not success. Um, not money. Not fame. Not any type of riches. Not your family. Not anything good that you do. What Jesus is trying to say here is that if you depend on yourself, there is no rest for you. You will be oppressed. You will no doubt be exhausted. You will no doubt be heavy laden. You will no doubt be worn down. If it were up to you, the law would crush you. 
Nothing else can get you to where you need to be. Nothing else can offer you rest except Jesus Christ. And why is it only Jesus Christ that can offer this? Oh, this passage gives us some insight there. Would you look at verse 27? All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Well, the Bible tells us earlier that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. He has the authority to heal people, to bring people back from the dead. He has the authority. And we see here that all things have been handed over to Jesus Christ. Why can Jesus save us? Why can he offer us this rest? Well, he has the authority to. Following on from that, he says there, And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Well, friends, this is the person who can stand between God and man. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, can represent his Father rightfully. He can stand before us and he can actually say, this is what God says to you. Everything that I say to you, take it as God saying it to you. Because he only says what his father says. He only does what his father um, commands him to do. He follows the gracious will of his father. Why is Jesus and nothing else the only one that can offer us this rest? He has the authority to. Not only that, he has the relationship with his father so that he can offer this and follow along again. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus can give you this rest because He is the one who can choose to reveal the Father to you. And this should be a sigh of relief to us. As you, you know, we could almost hear. Um, the, the weight being lifted off our shoulders. This is a sigh of relief that he is the one who chooses to whom the Father is revealed. Imagine again that it were up to you. Imagine if it said here, the one who is successful in God's eyes will be the one to whom God reveals himself. Would you ever see God? Would you ever know him? If it were up to how good a parent you were, would you ever see God? If it were up to how good you were at your job, would you ever see him? If it were up to how healthy you were, put anything there. If it were up to you, if it depended on you, and God said, I will reveal myself to anyone who is good enough, would any one of us ever see him? Would any one of us ever know him? No. Not a single person would know him. So the fact here that he says, he chooses to whom to reveal the Father it should be a deep sigh of relief for us because it doesn't depend on you, friend. And what can we sort of deduce from that? What can we understand from that? It's that God has actually revealed himself to people and can actually reveal himself to people because it doesn't depend on you. He says there also, friend, that... Um, he doesn't reveal himself to those who depend on themselves, right? The wise, the understanding, the one who looks to their own gifts and talents, the one who looks to their own success and whatever else. It's not to them. They, they won't see him because they depend on themselves. But he said here uh, that he reveals himself to little children. So nothing and no one else can offer this rest except for Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. 
Um, I, I thought about this earlier um, in the week, uh, and I've mentioned it before, but I don't think here. I was thinking, imagine if I got my son and said to him, Lemmy, the table's dirty. I want you to go wipe it down. And I can imagine him going and grabbing a cloth that is dirtier than the table. I, you know, I can imagine him grabbing um, some water mixed in with mud and going up to the table and spraying it and trying to wipe it down. Will he make it any better? No, he won't. What does he do? He only makes the problem worse, right? And that's the same thing with people. Um, you know, I've heard people say to me, Do you know, Dwayne, I... I'll come to church one day when I've sorted my life out. You know, wait till I, I, I sin less, and then I'll come to church. And then I can, you know, confidently stand before the preacher and hear what he's saying. Could you imagine that someone went up to a personal trainer and said, hey, I'm really unfit, I need to lose some weight. But let me go and train first before I come to you. It doesn't make any sense. Could you imagine someone who had a heart condition and a doctor says, you need surgery right now. Come to me and I will perform the surgery. Could you imagine the person saying, hold on, I'll go and fix my heart and then I'll come back and then we can do this whole thing. You know, that doesn't make any sense. You can't help yourself. The wise and understanding will never make it there. You can't help yourself. You can't Offer yourself the rest that only Jesus can offer. Nothing and no one can offer this rest apart from Jesus. You know, does that come across clear? The only thing you can do is add to the problem. If you say to yourself, to the doctor, look, I'll go and sort my heart out. The longer you leave it, the worse it gets. And if you say, look, I'm going to refuse your help. I'm going to depend on myself. What a sign of pride. You know, if you said that to Jesus, if he says to you this morning, come to me and I will give you rest, and you say to him, hold on, I've got a better idea. Let me add to my sin first. Let me add to my cold-heartedness. Let me add to how hard my heart is towards you. Hold on, I've got a better idea. And isn't that what sin is? Isn't that the whole thing? That we say, God, I have a better idea than you. God, you're not doing a good job at being God. Let me try I will decide what to do here. Oh, friends, do you see how ugly that is? And how silly that would be? To respond to Jesus Christ, who says to you this very morning, come to me and say, wait. What for? Why wait? Have you got a better idea? What a sign of pride. Nothing and no one else can offer you the rest that you need for your soul. Only Jesus can. And I want to spend some time looking at those three beautiful words, that wonderful invitation. Verse 28. Come to me. Come to me. Who does he say that to? Look at the next three words. All who labor. Does it say some who labor? No, it doesn't. It says all who labor. And who labors? Who's heavy laden? All. So this invitation is to everyone. It's to everyone here this morning. It's to you. Come to me. That's what Jesus says to you this morning. 
And what does he mean when he says come? What, what is that supposed to mean? When he says come to me, what does he mean by when he says come? Does he say um, come to an understanding of historical fact? Does he, does he say come to this information? Oh, you must come to that information, but it has to be more than that. You can't just know that Jesus is the saviour of the world, the saviour of sinners. Does he say, hey, come and actually take that on board and believe that it's true? You have to do that, but it has to be more than that too. You can't just say Jesus is the one who saves sinners. What does he mean then when he says, come to me? He means you must know the truth about you, you can't you can't come to um, something else. It has to be what he's saying. Come to you have to have the right information that Jesus is the one who saves sinners. He's the one who is the, the eternal Son of God. It has to be the right information. Absolutely, you have to intellectually assent to that information. You have to agree with that information. Yes, but what further step do you need to do? What is that third dimension there? It's that you have to have confidence in that. You have to trust in that. You have to depend on that. You have to rely on that truth. You know, what does that look like? If I said, hey, look, if you walk through that door and open it, if you open that door, walk through it, you'll be on the other side of the door. You know, if you sit there and you go, you know, that's information. Okay, I've got, I've got it. But if you said to yourself, no, I think that's true. I think if I did pull that door and I walked through, I'd be on the other side of that door. Well, you haven't really had faith. You haven't really believed. You haven't really come to that truth yet unless you get up yourself and pull that door open and walk through. And that's what is being um, presented to you this morning. Come to me. He doesn't mean understand the truth about me. He doesn't mean just agree with the truth about me. He says, come and rely on the truth about me. Come to me. Come and depend on me. Do you see that there? Now, what else can we see from those three wonderful words? He says, come to me. Do you see how personal that is? And I was thinking, if, um, if you started at a new company tomorrow, say Monday is your first day at this company, 10,000 employees, 10,000 other people who work there, and the owner came to you and said, if you have any problems, come to me. You know, if, if there's, there are any issues here at this workplace, I want you to come directly to me. Here's my personal line. Here's my personal email. You can come straight to me. You know, wouldn't you get goosebumps in a company that size that your boss would say, come to me directly? Oh, friends, I'm not talking about a boss of a, a company of a mere 10,000. I'm talking about the God of the universe, the eternal Son of God, the one who let you wake up this morning. The next breath you take is only because he decided that you could take it. I'm talking about the eternal Son of God who created everything around you, the one who lets blood course through your veins. He is the one who invites you. He, the one who created the person sitting next to you, who created all the people who sit in this business of 10,000, as it were. He created them. The one who knitted you together in the womb. He is the one who says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to the preacher. He doesn't say, even come to the pastor. He doesn't say, come to church. He says, come to me. Oh, do you see how personal that is? Come to me. He doesn't say, hey, come to my assistant. 
You know, here's, here's someone you can talk to. Um, hey, climb the ranks, and when you're good enough, then you can come to me. No, he says, right now, come to me. And on that note, friends, this is in the present tense. He's not saying, come to me when you feel like it. He's not saying, come to me tomorrow. He doesn't say, come to me next week. He says, come to me. This is in the present tense. He means right now. Do you see the urgency and the immediacy that is presented here in these words? Come to me. And what a lovely invitation. And I just want to stress a little bit more that this is more than an invitation. In fact, this is a command. Come to me. This is the creator of the universe giving you instruction. Come to me. Come to me. For your good, come to me. It's only him that can offer this great rest that he's promising. Nothing else. Now, what are you depending on this morning? What have you relied on this morning? What have you come to this morning? Have you, you know, when, when you feel the weight on your shoulders, what do you go to? Do you go to entertainment? Do you go to friends or family? Do you, do you think, oh, the answer for my rest is going to be in video games or uh, in TV shows? It's going to be in uh, recreation. It's going to be in my friendships. It's going to be in relationships. None of those have the answer. None of them. The only place where we can find rest for our souls is with Jesus. Jesus, who is the eternal Son of God. We saw that there. Jesus, who says there right at the end, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, the one who came in the flesh, who took the law upon his shoulders, who lived a perfect life, who went and died a death that he did not deserve to die for your sake, so that you might be found as someone righteous in him if you believe in Jesus. The one who can actually say, because he has been in the flesh, that he is gentle and lowly in heart. Hebrews says that he can sympathize with us. Jesus, the only one who is the true representative of God and the true representative of man. It's only there, my friend, that you will ever find rest. Rest is offered nowhere else. Perhaps I should say it's offered everywhere else, but given nowhere else. You can only find rest in Jesus. So this is the whole point. He says, come to me. Come to me. And friends, I sincerely pray that that's what you do. That you would come to him. That you'd believe in him. You'd know the truth about him. You'd believe the truth about him. And you'd depend on that truth about him. I sincerely hope that for you. Come to Jesus. Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for blessing us with your Bible. Thank you, Lord, that you found it pleasing to yourself 
to reveal who you are and your plan of salvation to your sinful creatures. And Lord, this morning, would you, because of your gracious will, reveal yourself to us so that we might be like children who depend on the word of their parents, who rely on their parents. Would you help us to be like children who depend on you, who take your word for what it is and who rely solely on you. Oh Lord, help us to do that. Save us and rescue us from our tendency to rely on things other than Jesus Christ for rest. Would you strip us of those things? And Lord, help us to be undivided in our dependence upon Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this great invitation, for this great command to come to you. And Lord, you've not called us to come to just any, anyone. You've called us to come to the eternal Son of God. Would you help every soul to do that this morning? We pray all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.